I'm really excited about this series because it's going to take us deeper into to what I what what I believe um, is is an incredible thing. It's necessary for us as a church. For the next ten weeks, we're going to be looking at just some basic doctrine, doctrine, so, so, some things that 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 we believe are are, are so important. Things that that are going to take us deeper into to what we believe. We're also going to look at things later on this fall that 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 are going to call us to action. You know, we're not called just to gather and learn more. We're called to take what we learn and actually live it out. Are you with me today? We're we're called to put the word of God into action. We're going to become more and more like Jesus over the next several weeks and months. Are you okay with that? We we, we want to, to, to look like him and to be more like him. This series is going to be a good series. I'm just going to tell you right now. It's going to be good. It's going to be good for people that have been in the faith for, for many years. And, and, and it's going to hopefully build your faith even stronger. To take what you've believed for so long and just take you a little bit deeper in those beliefs. This series is going to be good for those of you that are, are maybe newers, your newbies to the faith. My hope is that, that this thing called believe will, will help explain some of the aspects of this thing called, called the Christ life, Christianity. Hopefully you're going to learn some more about this as we go deeper together. And then there's some of you here that you're just kind of on the fence. You're, you're, you're kind of maybe just kicking the tires on this thing called faith and, and on this thing called God. You know, you, you, you've never really maybe placed your faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm just praying that, that as we talk about him and, and as we expose you to him, I, I'm just praying that you come to that time in which you place your hope and faith in Jesus Christ as you learn more about him. I, I, I'm praying and, and, and I'm just gonna, I just hope that you will, by the time we're finished, we'll just say, you know what, I, I, I need Jesus. There's no escaping. And and by the way, you need to know that that happened in this room Wednesday night as two of our students gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Amen. Two two more light bulbs were were activated. You know, that found sign, for those of you that are new with us, that found sign in our atrium, uh, those 42 light bulbs are symbolic of, of people that are lost and hopeless without Jesus in their life. And so it's dark, but we know that when Jesus comes into someone's life, oh, he gives them life. He is the light of the world. And so we kind of turn a light bulb on when someone gives their life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Two teenagers who once were lost have now been found. Amen. And we're excited and we're praying that for you today. And so I just want to let you know that we're starting at the, where you have to start today. Um, we, we have to start with the topic at hand uh, today. So, so my assignment for week one of, of Believe is to tell you all I know about God in 25 minutes. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. I, I can't even get through an introduction sometimes in 25 minutes, but, but this is a daunting task. And so I need you to focus. I need you to hang in there with your, your preacher today. And, and, and we're going to go, I'm probably just going to whet your appetite a little bit today. There's no possible way. I could take 25 years and probably still not adequately describe to you who God is, right? In fact, can you really, can we really wrap our minds around God? Oh, he He's, he's too awesome. He is too 
incredible. But, but that's where we're going to start today. Now, this is a big task, and, and, and there's so much to know. Uh, and so I just thought that, that whenever you start telling a story about someone, it's best to start at the very beginning, isn't it? I know some of you people like to read the last chapter first in the book, right? You can, you can start in the back with the Bible. It'll probably freak you out if you start with Revelation. Seven-headed beasts and things of that such. And wow. But we're going to start at the beginning. So hunker down. Let's get comfortable. Uh, I'm going to take you from Genesis to Revelation today in 25 minutes, Okay. Actually, I'm not, but I want to start with Genesis to get us going. And we'll look at Revelation here in in just a a couple of minutes. You know, the Bible begins, the very first book of the Bible is the book of, of Genesis. And in the very first book, in the very first chapter, the very first verse begins with God. The Bible begins with God, but it also ends with God in the book of Revelation. There there is never a doubt when you read the Bible regarding the question of God's existence. I mean, it's just an assumed fact. Look at the very first verse of of the Bible, the very first book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, it's a given when you look at that, that God created the heavens and the earth. There's no collision. There's no boom or bang. There's no, you know, bewitched, wiggle your nose type of experience that creates everything. There's just no question about it. The writer says that in the beginning, God created it. The writers didn't write or say, I think he did, or there was something that happened that we're just not sure about. So there must be some God. No, it says that in the beginning, God created the world. Are we okay so far? I'm just going to go with that. I believe that with my whole heart. You can fast forward to the New Testament, skipping from Genesis to the book of John and another individual that wrote John. His name was John. He wrote this in in John chapter one, verse one. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. Hey, here's the deal. No one created God. That's hard for us because we know that as human beings, there's something that happens between a man and a woman that creates something else, but that's not God. God has always existed. It says the word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created some things. No, he created everything through him, the word says, and nothing was created except through him. Nothing's been created except through him. So you see, there was not a question or even a hint of a question regarding God's existence. So I'm not here today to prove to you that God exists because he does. He always has and he always will. So we're getting past that. I just believe that he's always been and he always will be. I'm also here to say, as John would later write in the book of of Revelation, while being exiled to an island by the name of 
Patmos. He had an incredible revelation. God began to, to speak into him and John began to write about the things he saw coming out of heaven and what God was showing him. And in, and in verse four of chapter one, he says, grace and peace to you from the one who is. The one who is, who always was, and oh, by the way, who is still to come. Here's what you need to know. God's gonna come back. His son, Jesus, will descend from heaven. There'll be a trumpet that will be absolutely incredible. And he will return one day. I love that. John here is reminding us that God was present in the past. He is present with us now. And all make no mistake about it, will be present in the future. It's not a thought about whether God has ever existed or not. Hey, church, hear this. God is here and God is alive. He is here and he is alive. Amen. Now listen, some some things you need to know about this thing called believe. That not only are you guys having to endure a boring message from me, but your kids are listening about this same topic of God even right now in kids ministry. Aren't we thankful for kids ministry at 1910? Yep. Aren't you thankful that we've got leaders that are pouring into your kids right now, or we could go bring them back in right now. Anybody want us to go get your kids and no one applauded for that. Amen. Let's just, no. By the way, this coming Wednesday night, when your sixth through 12th grade student gathers in this room, they're going to hear about God. Here's the deal. Parents, every one of your family members are going to hear this topic this week. And so we're hoping that this will spark and encourage you guys to have some conversations around God, maybe at the dinner table, or maybe, hey, what would happen if we turned the TV off a little bit and just talk about what we heard this week? Amen. Some big stuff might happen. So here's the big idea for everybody. Here's the big idea for everyone at 1910 Church this week. We believe, say we believe, We believe that the God of the Bible is the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that that's the God of the Bible. And we believe that he's the one true God. We're not out there looking for another God at 1910. We believe that the God of the Bible is he. He is the one true God. And he's represented through scripture as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let me just take a little pause real quick because this was the section in my notes that I put in parentheses, time permitting. And so I'm just going to go ahead and permit time right now and explain this to you. Because when we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit a lot of times, in, in settings like this, we talk about the Trinity, right? Three in one. So let me just unpack that for you just real quick. Trinity does not appear in the Bible. It it, it was a a term created by biblical scholars to describe the three members of the Godhead. You see, throughout the Bible, if you read the Bible, and we pray that you will read the Bible, throughout your reading, you're going to find that God is presented as Father, He's presented as Son, and He's also presented as Holy Spirit. These are not three different gods, but they're three personas of only one God. Are you with me? You see, Scripture presents the Father as the source of creation. He's God of all the universe. 
Father. Scripture also presents God as Son. The Son is depicted as He's the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, look at the person of Jesus. We'll talk more about that later. That's about minute number 25 in my message today, okay? So hang in there, I'll get there. But he, he, he's depicted as the image of an invisible God. He's the exact representation in, in, in being and nature. He's the Messiah. He's the Redeemer. Aren't we thankful that the Son of God came to redeem a lost and fallen, broken world? Amen. But we also know, can I have that slide back up? I'm sorry, guys, I apologize. God, the there we go. Father, Son, but he's also depicted as the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God in action. It's God in action. It's God reaching people. It's God influencing them. It's God making them new. Has God made anybody new in this house? It's God filling people today and it's God guiding them. So all three of these, the triunity, the trinity of God, they inhabit one another. They work together to accomplish the divine design of the universe, okay? Is that okay? That was a good time out, wasn't it? Trinity. If you're part of our life groups, you're gonna dive into that a little bit more this week. If you're not a part of our life group, there's no hope for you of heaven. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I made that up just to see if you were with me, okay? No, there is hope. Hope is not because of, it's because of Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes, okay? So there's not a question whether God's existed. He's always been. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? A.W. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R, A.W. Tozer. In his writings during the early 1960s, acknowledged the pervasive importance of an accurate view of God. It's important that we have an accurate view of God. Tozer said this, he said, what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why would he say that? He would go on to explain because it affects every choice you make. It affects everything you do. And he compared this concept of, of having an accurate view of God with, with, with the foundation of a building. Now, if you've ever built anything, you know it's important to have a good foundation before you build something, right? You can have a lousy foundation and, and whatever you build may stand for a moment. If your foundation's not set, if it's not right, if it's not steady, when the winds and storms of something come against that, oh, it will collapse that foundation, correct? That's what Tozer was trying to explain with this quote, that it is important that without a, a strong adequate foundation or with it being out of plumb, he would say, that whole structure will sooner or later collapse. That's what happens to so many people in the world in which we live today. They do not have an accurate view of God. Their foundation of God is not set. It's not right. And so when they're faced with a difficulty or a struggle or a storm of life that comes their way, 
their foundation's not set and they collapse as well. I don't know how people without God in their lives make it in life, especially during times of death. I just don't know how they make it. It is so difficult. One of the most difficult things for a pastor to do is to stand over a casket. When, when we know that the person that, that, that is represented there, when they did not have a relationship with God, there's no hope. There's no hope. It's the hardest thing as a pastor to, to conduct those types of, of, of remembrances. You see, the foundation in life is... God, you have to start there and build everything from that. That's what Tozer is writing about. Tozer also went on. He believed that little by little, those of us within the church have kind of surrendered this once lofty view of God that we had for a low one. God is what you want him to be. Or he's a prosperity God. Or he's a God that just wants you to feel good about yourself. He's a God that's kind of a genie in a bottle that you can just rub and he'll come out and he'll give you whatever you want. We, you know that that's kind of some people's view of God today, right? That God is supposed to work things for me. He works all things for good according to what I want, right? Is that what scripture says? No, according to his glorious riches. It's according to his plan for your life. And we miss that. But the problem is we've created and made God what we want him to be. He's the God that's at my beck and call that gives me whatever I want, right? Does that make sense? Now, this is not a new problem. In fact, if you were to read the Old Testament, even in the second book of the Bible, a book called Exodus, you're, you're going to find that, that even God's chosen people, they yielded to incorrect views of him. After years of slavery in Egypt, God led the Israelites out of their bondage. He, he led them through the wilderness. He even parted the Red Sea. Charlton Heston showed us that. He showed us that. We know that each morning when you read that story that he provided manna that rained from the sky, it was food for them to eat. Yet when they couldn't find water, they began to doubt God as their provider, Exodus 17, 3. But God tormented by thirst. They continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock with this thirst? You see, time after time, God provided for Israel. But the Israelites failed to trust in his goodness and provision because the God that they thought he should be just wasn't responding and acting like they thought he should respond and act. They had a misconception of who God was. This can be dangerous because you see, this type of thought about God leads to idolatry. You know what idolatry is? It's the worship of something false. And it was this idolatrous heart that assumes that God is other than he really is. And Tozier would, would, would write, it substitutes for the true God, the one that is made after its own likeness. You see, church, we're starting with God today 
Because when we don't view God correctly, we risk worshiping him not as he truly is, but as whom we've created him to be and what we want him to be like. And we, not, we may not be in here this, this morning brandishing a golden calf like the Israelites did, but we quietly build more subtle substitutes in our lives today. Listen, God wants you to have a correct view of him. God wants you to have a correct biblical view of him. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 24, Jeremiah nine twenty four, he says, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. See, God wants you to truly know him. You're not gonna truly get to know him by just our 25 or 30 minutes together this morning. But he wants you to truly know him. Hey, dig in, go deeper, get to know him more. You know, with so many different guesses, with so many different ideas and beliefs about God out there, there's one thing to me that seems really clear when I study scripture. One thing stands out to me. I think we're hardwired to look for God. I, I think we want to know God. I mean, our ancient ancestors, they, they looked for God in storms. They looked for God in earthquakes. For thousands of years, religious leaders and philosophers have tried to discern God's face through rules, through rituals, through regulations. Even today, there, there are so many tools that, that we use to, to look for God and, and we give them names such as science or reason. We even use the word logic. But, but, but what we're looking for is, is the same thing that, that mystics and madmen and everyday people have always wanted. We want to know who God is. And even with that, we, we want to know where we stand with God, don't we? Who are you? But then where do we stand with you? And so who's right about God? Science? Reason? Logic? Oprah? Who's right about God? Because everybody has an opinion. Even you've got an opinion. Someone's told you what you should believe. All of our theories, they're varied and they're sometimes contradictory. They can't all be right. Well, I'm here to help. And, and I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take the written word, the Bible, God's word. That's where we need to look. Because I believe that the pages of this book are filled with giving us ideas, explanations as to who God is. And so I want to, if we can, for just a few moments, let's just go through it quickly. I want to share with you a few things. I believe scripture paints a picture, picture. I don't know why my voice went up like a seventh grader, but a picture 
Scripture paints a picture as to who God is. Here's one of the things it says about him. God is good. God is good. Say that with me. God is good. He's a good God. He's a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. He's a good, good God, right? In fact, Revelation chapter 15, verse four says, who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are what? You're holy and all nations will come and they will worship before you for your what deeds? Righteous deeds have been revealed. Hey, listen, God is good. He's not bad. He's good. Why would I say that? Well, the second thing when I read scripture is this, God hates evil. And if God is good, there can be no evil come from a good God. You need to know that evil and wickedness and sinfulness and and all this, those things are not from the God that I'm describing to you today. They're not from the God of the light but they're from the dark world in which we live. You see, God hates evil. Psalm chapter five, verses four through five say this. Oh God, you take no pleasure, no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the world. Therefore, the wicked, therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence for you hate all who do evil evil. Listen, God is good and God hates evil. There can be no wickedness come from a good God who reigns in heaven above. He's good. He doesn't give bad gifts. He doesn't bring bad things. There's another force at work that does that. You see scripture, if you read scripture, oftentimes you will see God and light together. You'll see Jesus and light together. In fact, for those of us that who are in Christ, we are called children of the light, not darkness, children of the light. You see, light is good. Light makes things great. God is light. Jesus is light. And therefore evil is not of him. Please know that. Please know that. Third thing I want you to see today is this. God is good. God hates evil. But you need to know that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You know, God didn't have to love us, did he? We know that in the brief history of time when things were created, all things were good and they were right. And, and, and we know that, that God and man had this sweet communion of some sorts, right? God talked and, and, and Adam, they, they communicated with one another. Hey, Adam, listen, listen. Hey, just, can you just, here, here's what I want you to do. Here, here's what I encourage you not to do, Adam. But Adam, and they had this relationship and it was good until man decided to do what he wanted to do and go against a good God in heaven, right? We know that that's when this this thing called sin, sin is anything that breaks the heart of God. It's disobedience to God and his perfect plan for your life. 
We live in a sinful, broken, fallen world, but that was not God's original intent or design. Do you believe that? Now, and despite this, despite us choosing to do what we wanted to do, here's the deal. You know that God still loves and, and, and desires us? He didn't have to come after us. He didn't have to love us. He could have said, you know what? I set them up for success. I gave them a great place to live. But yet they chose to do their own thing. You know what? I'm done with them. I'm putting them out to pasture. I'm kicking them to the curb. But that's not who our God is. There may be some other smaller gods that man has created or other religions or worldviews have created. But I'm telling you, the God of the Bible loves you despite your junk and your funk. He loves you. In fact, look at what 1 John, 1 John 4, beginning of verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is what? He's love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Hey, God is good. God hates evil and God loves you. The last thing I want you to see is this. Because he loves you, God has made it possible for you to know him personally through his son, Jesus Christ. Through his son, Jesus Christ. It's how we can come to experience and know God personally. It's not through you attending church more. Aren't you thankful for that? It's not through you giving more or being kind to your neighbor and all those things are important. It's not through you just knowing more knowledge about God. That's not what makes you right with God. You know, even the, even the demons know about God, don't they? They probably know a lot more than some of us do. But that's not what makes you right. It's through this personal relationship through Jesus Christ. I'm going to read a verse to you. It goes like this. It's John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have what? And I love verse 17. It doesn't get a lot of cred. Look, look at this. God sent his son into the world not to what? Judge the world but to save the world through him. You see, we deserved judgment. We deserve punishment. But that's not who God is, is he? Well, why do we act like that then? Why do we act like judge and jury? Oh, he came to save the world. So God is good. He hates evil. He loves you. And I want you to know that he's made a way for you to know him personally through his son, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross. That's how much he loves you. He didn't come to judge you. He came to love. 
Real quickly this morning, that's the Bible's take on who God is. And I know it's a different version of God than maybe you've heard from other religious experts or college professors or even scientists. But, but I believe that it's an accurate view of God. It means that there is a God. And he cares about you personally. And I just believe that that's an idea that's too compelling to ignore. Hey, listen. God is... And he may be known. God is. And you have the potential to get to know him. Have you seen God before? Anybody ever seen God? You've seen God. What do you mean? Yeah, you've seen him. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in John chapter 14 to a man that was doubting. He said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Hey, you want to know what God is like? Well, look at the second aspect of the Trinity, Jesus. And we know a lot of things about Jesus, right? That is a depiction, a picture of who God is. And oh, by the way, we probably could go so many different directions with this right now, but we will probably in the next few weeks. If Jesus lives in us, we probably ought to let him out a little bit more, right? And as I let Jesus live his life out through me, guess what? My friends and my coworkers and my teammates and my classmates and and people I work with, they're going to get a better picture as to who God is. And that makes does that make sense to you? Jesus says, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." So what is God like? Look at Jesus. We'll talk more about him in the weeks to come. But God is good. He is. And you can know him. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you for this time today. And I know that it's been fast and it's been furious. But, Lord, I just pray that that the things that we've talked about today would just maybe spark something within us to want to dive in and know you a little bit more. There's no possible way we can wrap our minds around you, especially in a 27, 30 minute message. But God, I pray that we would understand this today, that you are the one true God. (laughs) There is no one else like you, Lord. God, I pray that we would surrender to you we would not ignore you and the provision you've made for us to have a relationship with you, Jesus. It's in his name I pray.